Welcome to Clear the Clutter. My name is Margaret, and this podcast is where I give you practical and spiritual advice to get your time back so you can finally spend it how you really want. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. And today we're going to be talking about what to do when obligations turn into overwhelm. So there's this super weird thing that we do in society that we don't really talk about. Um, And basically it's social media. So you may be thinking, well, of course we talk about social media. It's on the news. It's all over the place. It's on our phones. But most of us don't talk about like the actual why behind social media? Why are we addicted? Why are we basically on it every five minutes? What are we really getting about it? Why do we have this primal, for lack of a better word, urge to go ahead and post things that are extremely personal, um, vent, post pictures of our food, things like that. So you may be wondering, what does that have to do with obligations? Well, and think of it this way, it is an obligation that we are using for social media that is keeping us stuck in some sense, and also making some of us even sick. So in this podcast episode, I'm going to talk about a best friend of mine that actually didn't have a great experience with social media. Um, And it's not to say that this episode is just about bashing social media. This is just one of the contexts and one of the frames. I'm trying to give you an example to explain how seemingly little things can turn into obligations and then how those obligations over time because of social norms can go into overwhelm. So if social media doesn't feel like that for you, please take, you know, every time I say the word social media and insert it with the thing that popped into your head because most likely when I started this episode and talked about obligations and overwhelm, something popped into your head. So again, if you want, take the word social media and insert your thing there. Um, Social media is just going to be the context that I use to explain this story. What I'm also going to do is I'm also going to give you how I started to shift my mindset around, air quotes, social media, aka obligations. And then the four questions that I ask myself whenever I'm on social media or kind of in general, whenever I am looking at taking on a new obligation consciously. So let's dive right in. All right. Obligations. What does that mean to you? Hopefully you answered out loud, preferably if you were in your car or somewhere private. Um, For me, obligation means something I am required to do that I hopefully love to do. So depending on how you were raised, where you are, if you have a dog that barks in your episode, no matter where you try and hide, um, you're going to have obligations throughout your life. You're going to have obligations to work. You're going to have obligations to your family, to your friends, to your spouses, to your bills. You know, there's a bunch of obligations that we take on in our life. And throughout our lives, those obligations can go ahead and change. So right now, at the recording of this episode, I have six animals with my husband, is again, you can hear my dog barking in the background. Um, but I have obli- I have an obligation to six little animal, well, not little, six little adorable furry thingies that, you know, rely on me and my husband to take care of them. So that is an obligation. I have an obligation to my job to be creative and very personable and help them make as much money as possible. Again, 
it's an obligation I have consciously chosen. I have an obligation to my husband to be a very kind and loving spouse. So you kind of get the hint. I have a bunch of obligations, but those are the ones I chose. This podcast episode is about the obligations that, you know, we may have willingly chosen in the beginning, but they start to turn into overwhelm. So an example that I've used, again, has been social media. Social media has been a huge obligation in the past that I felt I needed to do. And over time, that obligation of where it was, you know, oh, you should be on social media. Oh, how am I going to see pictures of the fur babies? Oh, how are you going to know when you're invited to a Christmas party or this party or that party? That obligation started to turn into overwhelm. And I am not the only person that I've had that has had this experience. You know, a handful of my friends, a good handful of my friends, have had this obligation to where they're feeling this urge to go ahead and post something every single day, for example, or be very personal um, publicly about their lives. Or, you know, why aren't you posting pictures of your kids? Or why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you on social media more? So things like that, this obligation to a thing is starting to turn into overwhelm because again the overwhelm well the obligation isn't an overwhelm when you enjoy it it's an overwhelm when it feels like you are doing something because other people are expecting you to do it and you don't want to do it so the friend that I keep alluding to um again I will keep it somewhat clean so that no one really knows who she is uh, to protect her privacy um because she did confide in me but she had probably about three life tragic events, I mean, genuinely devastatingly traffic, traffic events happened within almost two months, you know, and it was boom, boom, boom. And it was brutal. And it was exhausting. And it was overwhelming. And it took a long time for her to recover. To be honest, I, I, as one of her really close friends, wanted her to recover faster. But again, you know, she needed to take the time that she needed to recover. But during that recovery session, she was even telling me after we had connected and uh, talked, you know, months and months down the road, that while she was cocooned, while she was recovering, while she was going through these major life events that have happened, she still felt obligated to post on social media. She still felt obligated to post pictures of her food, to post where she was or to check in or to do this or to respond to that. And it's like, okay, let's start digging into that. Why? Why do we feel this obligation to a platform? Or maybe for you, it is an obligation to an event that you do. You know, I used to do um, events for a business my husband and I ran. And part of it was the obligation because it was a way to get new clientele. And then the other part of the obligation was, you know, kind of a self-induced obligation where it's like, well, of course I'm going to do this. All the other X, Y, and Z companies are doing this. All my competitors are there. I, I don't want to be left out. And what was an obligation that I genuinely took on from a point of view of joy and bringing awareness and, you know, money to our business, it became something that turned into overwhelm. And it was like, well... It doesn't matter that I'm exhausted. I'm still going to go work, you know, a full day with my husband. And then we're going to go work, you know, I'm going to go work a six, seven, eight hour night. And then, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm tired. It doesn't matter that I'm sick. It doesn't matter that our, you know, our business is kind of overwhelmed right now. And they could use me instead of losing me. You know, it was all these social pressures that turned into overwhelm. So same thing in sense of social media. 
social media used to be something that I enjoyed, something that was fun. It was, and it still has been to this day, a way for me to find international friends that I never would have made otherwise. I've always had this running joke, and it's kind of a little life goal, that I want to have a friend on every continent in the world. Because I believe that being exposed to a different breath of people's views and opinions will make me a better, kinder, you know, um, more wise person just because I'm getting out of my own bubble. Not even in the sense of the fact that I'm like talking to someone that has a a different like political view, but in the sense that they culturally were raised different. They have different beliefs. They have different standards. They have their own versions of obligations. So where social media was something that I was able to use as a tool to have friends over in, you know, China, in Japan, in UK, in um, Canada, in Mexico, you kind of get the point, like starting to build friendships all over the place, it started to become this thing of overwhelm, where instead of just using it as a platform to go ahead and talk and hang out with my friends, I started to obsess. And this is where that overwhelm part kicks in. I started to obsess of, oh my God, I didn't post something today. Or, oh, that's a really funny moment. I should post it. I'll get a lot of likes. And that's kind of embarrassing to admit, but it's the truth. Um, I, you know, would spend hours. I mean, I kind of wish I could get my time back on that. It was informative, but it was also very wasteful. I spent probably, God, the equivalent over the past couple of years, months and months and months of time searching out different social media tools so that I could figure out how to be able to breathe, but also be on social media at the same time. So I would look at things like Buffer, which I've, I still use to this day, but I use it in a different plot, a different sense, um, in a different, um, internal sense, um, versus like the obligation sense that, Oh, I have to use it. But I've used Buffer, I've used Hootsuite, I've used Latergram, I've used this, I've used that, yada, yada, yada. I've used all these different tools because I felt obligated to be on social media, but I was not conscious enough that I was not enjoying social media. I wasn't comfortable or confident enough to say, hey, this is not something I'm enjoying. I would like to take myself off the platform or at least reduce how I interact with it. And so I started trying to do all these things to make the obligation and the overwhelm. And obviously you can't see my hand, but it's like doing massive air quotes. So air quote, obligation and overwhelm and air quote, um, basically to turn it into something that I felt I could handle because I didn't feel like I had a voice to say, no, this is dumb. Why am I posting my food? Why am I posting every single place that I go? Why am I posting such intimate details for my life? That basically for the people that care or that I care see that stuff, I should just send it to them directly. Why am I giving strangers and the lack of a better word, full blunt access to my life to kind of know where I am, or at least to see the pattern of where I am at any given time. And, you know, that kind of freaked me out in a sense. And, you know, there's where that overwhelm part kicked in. I was so freaked out that, you know, oh my God, we're going to have repercussions if we're not on social media. But at the same time, I also hated it because it's like, well, I don't want everyone to know where I am. I don't like people knowing, oh, you're at this place at this time, you know, every two weeks or every three weeks. It really, it really freaked me out because it's like, okay, well, if they know where I am, you know, I don't know. It just, I don't. If they know where I am, they know I'm not at my business or they know that I'm not at my home. And unfortunately, I used to live in a very small town where people, obviously, they knew where our business was. But over time, people just 
happened to discover where I live out of nothing nefarious is just the fact that we lived in a really small town. It was just kind of like time. There was no other way around it. Like you would see our cars enough and then eventually you're going to drive through event, literally eventually you're going to drive through my neighborhood. So over time people would know, okay, well Maggie's at this event, but she's not at home and she's not at work and giving people that power and that knowledge over where I was really freaked me out. So this obligation that I used to love, which was social media and going to events and things like that really turned into overwhelm because I felt like there was no control. And that was the same thing for my friend. She felt like she had no control. She felt like, oh, it doesn't matter that I just went through this horrible life experience in, you know, three of them, you know, let alone just one, but three of them in the span of like two months. It's hard to deal with. It's overwhelming. I have all these other things I have to do because of it. But now I am feeling obligated because society has told me otherwise that I need to be posting about this. I need to be public. I need to be sharing my grief, my anger, my pain for everyone to comment and judge on. And whether you realize it or not, that's the overall part of the obligation is society is teaching us and sometimes you have to be conscious of it to say no and sometimes we're just too afraid to say no but society is teaching us that the overwhelm part of it is that they get a say in how we do things in our life so what is what does that even mean because I'm going kind of woo woo on you for a little bit but I if you listen to this podcast I know you can handle the woo so when we do things out of obligation and it becomes overwhelm and we hate it And we actually have a choice to say, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's this way of us kind of being asleep in our, in our own lives where we hmm, trying to, trying to figure out how to say this without being, you know, extra blunt, but I guess the bluntness is required. We're asleep in our own lives to where we are so afraid of the repercussions of waking up and making our own decisions and dealing with the backlash of others that we'd rather stay asleep. We'd rather do the obligations we'd ra- that we hate, mind you, or we don't enjoy or they make us uncomfortable or we just, you know, don't like them and we really, really, really don't like them. We're asleep in the sense that we don't feel like we have a choice in something that we clearly do have a choice on, aka for me, it was social media. It, we're asleep in the sense that... You know, we have to do things a certain way. And again, this is going to sound really weird, but (laughs) again, going with the woo, um, I've always loved the Kardashians and I was uh, going and doing our laundry and I found this magazine that was, um, you know, Kris Kardashian talking about how she raised billionaire daughters. And, you know, one of the questions was like, oh, you know, something about like gold planning or whatever. But she's like, we start with what we love and then we build a plan. And I found that so refreshing. And of course, everyone's going to say that in a sense, but she and her family, whatever your beliefs about them, if you take all of that aside, if you look at the physical things that they have accomplished, and again, take your beliefs aside, I don't care if you like the Kardashians or not, that's literally irrelevant. They have been able to create things and get behind the things that they love and run with it. And I think part of that is part of their success, or at least it has to be, you know, and they've even admitted that. They only take on projects they're passionate with. They are willing to be in the so, you know, social media world. They're willing to be on all the Instagrams and the this is and the that every single day. They're willing to have their entire lives recorded and available for public scrutiny. And in exchange, it gives them the platform to do the things that they love and work on only things they're passionate about. So 
again, outside of like the Kardashians, if you look at other people that are genuinely and truly happy, like there's serene level of happiness that you're like, how the fuck are they doing that? It's because they are not necessarily, they have obligations. Everyone has obligations. I'm not saying that you can get out of them, but what they're doing is they're not entangled for at least long term into obligations that make their life a living hell and make their life overwhelmed. So, you know, if you are in a area that's basically, if, if I'm talking about this in your life right now, and you're like, you keep thinking of that thing over and over and over again of, wow, X is like right now in overwhelm. Wow, I really wish I could get rid of X. I really wish I could stop doing X. I really hate that I do X. If that's something that's popping up in your head, you know, let's go over some questions of what you can do to break that pattern and move past it. So let's dive into those journal prompts. So again, don't worry if you can't write any of this down. The journal prompts are over at the website, margaretstevens.co. Just look for this episode title, When Obligation Turns Into Overwhelm, and you'll be able to find the journal prompts there. So again, if you have the safe space to play along with me, answer these out loud. If you want to journal them, you can always listen to this episode again, or you can go to the blog and you can find them there without the barking dogs in the background. So let's dive deep. Journal prompt number one, why are you doing the thing you hate? So here is my example for that one for you. So kind of get your brain flowing a little bit if you're stuck. For me, it was social media. Why am I doing, why am I on social media when I hate it? Why am I doing the thing that I hate? Well, I felt obligated. I was afraid of feeling left out. I was afraid that I would get criticized. Um, I was afraid that it was the only way I could stay connected. So that's why I was doing the thing I hated. Question number two, how or what is making you feel obligated to do that thing? So again, some more background so you can get some brain juice to go through this. What is making me feel obligated to do social media? Well, we, you know, for example, we used to have Christmas parties or any of the holiday parties in our family. And back in the day, we would call the person or you would get a call to be invited to X, Y, and Z party. And then over time, it got to the point where like there was never a call. There was never a, any type of interaction or communication outside of a Facebook event being sent to you. So if you didn't see the Facebook event, you didn't know about the party or you didn't know what time or you didn't know what to bring or any of that. So this feeling of obligation came because everyone in my surrounding environment was making it so that that was the only way I kind of knew about a party or an event. Or another thing was, again, it was this thought process I had that if I'm not on social media, it's going to be really, really hard to stay connected with my friends. And this is the only way that they like to talk. This is all stuff that I kind of put into my head and I never challenged. So that would be my answer to question number two. Question number three, what actions or steps could you take to no longer do the thing you hate? So what actions or steps could I have done and what have I done to go ahead and not do the thing I hate, which was be constantly on social media? Well, the first action and steps that I did was... 
I identified all the people that I loved to follow on social media and I figured out a way to follow them in a manner that felt really good to me, but wasn't necessarily on social media. So I didn't follow them on Instagram. I didn't follow them on Facebook anymore. Instead, I subscribed to their blogs or I would go ahead and use a RSS feed uh, tool. So it would curate all of the blogs that I love to follow. But basically, I was following in uh, Facebook anyway. But I was using that RSS tool, which is called Feedly, F-E-E-D-L-E-L-Y. Um, I think that's spelled. I think I spelled it right. If not, go to Google and type in Feedly. You'll find it. Um, but I used that tool so that I could follow all the blog content that I liked. And then when I was in the mood to sit down and read that type of content, I could kind of binge on the content a little without only being able to get it through Facebook or Instagram. Um, another step that I took is I started letting everyone know, hey, I'm not going to be on social media a lot. Um, so if there's something you want me to see in a timely manner, you've got to reach out to me by either calling me or texting me. And then for my international friends, I would tell them, hey, I'm not really going to be on social media that much anymore. So here's my email. If you want to chat with me, I'd love to do email chats back and forth. Or if you want, we can do like a video chat. So I started letting everyone know that it was something I was not going to be responsive on. And this is how they could get a hold of me. It wasn't just a matter of, hey, I'm all off social media. Peace out. And then like I left everyone to deal with the consequences because it was a way we communicated. I gave them ways to communicate with me that was different and that I felt comfortable with outside of Facebook or Instagram or any social media platforms. So that is what I mean by little steps or actions that you can take to stop doing the things you hate. Sometimes it could be a very small step. Sometimes it's a series of steps that lead to a bigger step. But, you know, I like for you to break it down and break it down into things that you can kind of check off so you know that you're accomplishing something. And then the bonus one is question number four, which is find other examples of people that have overcome the same thing you are facing. So I, <laughs> again, embarrassing to admit, but I pretty much obsessively Googled for a couple months people that had quit social media and what their life was like. And the thing, and again, this is self-biased, of course, because I'm only going to be reading articles of people that like had a really great experience for the most part. Um, but I was able to find examples of people saying they had more free time, people saying they felt that they were calmer, people saying that they felt like they were able to have a deeper connection because every time they talked, they actually talked and they were having engaged conversations versus, oh yeah, I saw your Instagram last week. Cool. You know, like, like very surface fluffy level conversations. So it was interesting to find out some of the things from the people that had overcome you know, the same thing I was overcoming social media. It was interesting to find the things that they found surprising. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that would happen to me, which again, one of them was feeling calmer. I would have never, ever, ever expected being off of social media. I think I log in, I don't know, maybe twice a week just to clear out a bunch of notifications and move on. Um, but I don't have conversations through it anymore. Um, and that was surprising for me to go, you know, where I was on it God, 10, 20, 30 times a day checking something or communicating with someone or liking someone's video or picture or any of that to twice a week. I never, ever, ever would have expected to feel calm. You know, it was 
surprising, very, very surprising. But it was also something that all these other people had said that they felt the same thing too. They were surprised at how much calmer their life felt. They were surprised at how much um, more spacious their days felt. They were surprised at how they weren't as jealous, you know, because they weren't surrounding themselves with this bullshit curated version of what someone else's life looks like. So finding examples of what other people have overcome that is the same thing that you're facing is extremely important in grounding yourself and also getting ideas. So some of the people that I followed, they did like a 30-day block. Some of the people just uninstalled it off their phones. Some of the people had their friends or family members change passwords. You know, I got all of these really great ideas that I never would have thought of otherwise if I had not looked for other examples. So that's the same thing that's going to happen for you. Whatever it is that you want to overcome, look for examples and see what resonates with you. Start writing it down and say, oh, well, that's a good idea. Let me try it. Because again, if it doesn't work, you can stop trying it. That doesn't mean you have to do the thing that you decided to try, but it's a way for your brain to get different opinions and different views and see what you react to in the sense that you feel comfortable. So I didn't feel comfortable having someone change my passwords, but it did feel comfortable to uninstall them off my phone. So I was like, okay, cool. I can uninstall this stuff off my phone. And then if I ever really need to get on it, I can go on, you know, my laptop. I can go on, you know, on a computer, basically. I know my password. So anytime I really needed to, I would just bust out a computer. I would go in and because it wasn't on my phone, it was a lot easier to just not go on it. So There's little things that you can do to see what your comfort level is. And initially, I, what did I do? Initially, I unfollowed a lot of people that just didn't make me feel good. They either posted a bunch of political stuff that brought me down or they complained a lot. So I started cleaning up my feed that way. And then from there, I felt comfortable enough to uninstall it off my phone. And then from there, I went, you know, checking it a couple times a day on my computer to checking it you know, two or three times a week on my computer. So again, going back to those baby steps and actions that you're doing. But I also used all these examples from other people that overcame the same thing I did. So with that being said, you can do the same thing. Whatever you're feeling is obligation, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It can be something that you titrate out of or that you, you know, take your baby steps and you grow out of, or maybe it's something that you don't feel fits your life anymore. So you can, you know, evolve out of it. All of it comes back to evolving. You're not this stagnant person that has to be doing things the exact same way they did things 10 years ago. Because for me, 10 years ago, I had just gotten married. Um, I didn't have all the animals we had. We had half, literally. Um, and my life was drastically different. And this thought process and this concept of having to do things the same way over and over and over again and growing stale is just dumb. Like there is no need. 15, 20 years ago, like basically there wasn't an internet. There wasn't a Facebook. There wasn't an Instagram. There wasn't all of these different things that we now are obsessed with. So yeah, hell, there wasn't even the level of cell phones that we have now five years ago, let alone 10 years ago. So all of these things we have adapted to over time. I always love to use the example when it comes to adapting to something that isn't good for us is we are all the frog in this boiling pot of water. And it's not like we were just taken and dumped in this boiling pot of water and we scalded, we were scalded to death and we died. We are the frog that was placed in 
with, you know, like lukewarm water and it kind of felt nice. And then over time, these obligations that were overwhelming, it was because the water in the temperature was turned up little by little by little by little by little. Well, the other thing I like to think of with this analogy is, you know, you're a frog, but you're also a smart frog. So why not just climb out of the boiling pot of water? Why not go and jump out of that pot of water and go jump into a nice, cool, refreshing lily pad or, you know, something. But you get my point. There's no need to stay in something that is overwhelming just because of the because of because. Like, just because people think you should be on social media doesn't mean you need to be on social media. Just because people think it's a good thing to, you know, go to the PTA meetings, which I don't go to PTA meetings, but I'm assuming, you know, just because people think it's a good thing to go to the PTA meetings three nights a week doesn't mean you have to. Just because... Um, you have a ton of debt doesn't mean you have to, you know, scrimp and save and only pay your debt off first without saving any money. Just because you, um, you know, you, you think this is the only way to accomplish something doesn't mean it's ultimately true. I always go back to with all of this stuff, none of it is ultimately true. There is no, as Amanda Francis loves to say, there is no board in the sky that says this is the only version of truth of how this has to happen. We are co-creators and creating our versions of that truth. And with that, you also have the power to either wake up or stay asleep. To either wake up and say, hey, this is something that I don't want to do anymore and I'm not going to and I'm going to evolve out of it or I'm going to consciously stay asleep. I'm going to consciously own something that I don't like and, you know, go on from there. So just think of it as your loving wake up call that just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you have to as well. And use these journal prompts as many times as you need to to go over what it is that's bothering you because over time it could, you know, the, the things that you hate can change, you know, and hate is a very strong word. So maybe it's, you work on the thing that you hate. And then from there you go into mild discomfort and then you go into irritation and then you go into like, well, that's just a dumb thing I'm doing. So it doesn't have to always be the thing you hate, but you can use these prompts over and over again because they're kind of, well, not kind of, they are universal truths and universal things that are going to help you grow. So if you have any questions or anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. And of course, don't forget to check out the blog, margaretstevens.co, to see the prompts. And I will talk to you guys next time. Have a great day. Have a burning question for me? Want that link I was talking about? Get access to all the resources and links that were mentioned in this episode and others over at margaretstevens.co. And if you haven't, don't forget to sign up for my VIP list where I share special bonuses, pre-launch coupon codes, and advice I don't share anywhere else. Thanks for listening.